0: Hey everybody, my name's Paige and I am the Creative Arts Manager at Grace Church Barberton. We are so glad you're listening to our Sunday service podcast. This is the live recording of our Sunday message and we hope you are so encouraged, challenged and energized by what you hear. Let's jump into our new series, Follow Me, A Journey Through Luke. Question. How many of you have ever been deep-sea fishing before? Show of hands. Deep-sea fishers out there, right? A couple of us, a few of us, right? So I I learned very quickly uh, the experience of deep-sea fishing uh, I was not built for, okay? I went in eighth grade. I got invited to Florida uh, with a buddy of mine, and we went down to Florida with his family, and his dad uh, kind of bought us a deep-sea fishing experience. And so we went out, and what I didn't realize is the ocean's different than a lake here in Ohio, right? And it's a very different... For an experience. And so I went out on the boat and about three hours in, as we were fishing, uh, I realized I was going to start feeding the fish and they were going to try to like, try to eat that, right? If you know what I mean, like I started to feed the fish more than we were catching fish. And so like things were starting to come up and it was a bad sight. And so that was my only deep sea fishing experience until February. Okay. Because I was in eighth grade and because I was young I thought maybe that was just a fluke experience. So me and my wife and my kids, we went down to Florida because my wife has some family down there. We were gonna visit. We were going to spend some time with them and have a blast. And we ended up uh, driving down, so that was a whole thing in of itself. We left at like four and we got there at like 10 in the evening, right, and all the craziness with that. We got to Disney World for one day, which was really exciting. And then we went and we hopped over to my wife's family's place. And uh, she has an uncle down there who is super generous and Super gracious and he just absolutely loves when we come down. And he said, I want to take you guys deep-sea fishing, right? And the first thing that went in my mind was eighth grade Joel chucking things over the end of the boat, right? I knew it wasn't gonna end well potentially, but I thought, no, eighth grade Joel was not a full-grown man yet. <laughs> 30, 29-year-old, 30-year-old Joel, he can handle this, right? So I'm like, Jess, tell him we're in. She's like, we're in. I woke up that morning that we we're supposed to go deep-sea fishing already feeling sick, okay? Not because of deep sea fishing, just because I didn't feel great. Long week, whatever it may be, right? And so she looks at me and she says, honey, you don't have to go. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm bigger than that. I can make it. I can do it. We're going to figure this thing out. So we get to the boats, right? Everybody's getting prepared. Everybody's excited. My kids are there. It's their first deep sea fishing experience. It's going to be a blast, right? I want to go see all of this play out. My wife says, well, Joel, we could tell my uncle you're not feeling great, and if it doesn't go well, we could just come back. And I'm like, no, I won't be that guy, right? We're all the way out, however many miles out, and then all of a sudden, we got to go back to shore because Joel doesn't feel great, right? You don't want to be that guy on the boat. Everybody hates that guy on the boat. I'm not about to be that guy on the boat. So I'm like, no. We're going to do this whole day. We're going to be out there, right? And so we get on the boat. And all of us know when you're into an experience that you're kind of a little bit uncomfortable with and you're not really sure it's going to go well, it starts off decently okay. It kind of tricks you, right? So we go and we're like cruising. We get on the ocean. I'm like, this isn't terrible. I know I'm still not feeling great, but maybe we could do this. Maybe we can figure this out as we go, right? They get the fishing rods out and I go out onto the deck and I see them fishing. My kids are excited. So I'm out there with Corbin like, this is what's going on. Do you see this? Do you see that, right? Right. But then pretty quickly, things shifted, very quickly. And about two hours into the trip, I was seriously not feeling great, and this is where I ended up. I literally sat in that position for five hours that day. Then my son, who needed a nap, came, and he said, Daddy, I need a nap. I'm tired. I need... So he laid next to me. And then my daughter, who didn't want to take a nap, she ended up sleeping next to me too. And for like two hours, we were just there. I was just like, please, Lord. Please get me to shore, right? We hit shore and I was the happiest man alive. So here's, needless to say, one of the lessons I learned, I am never paying with my own money for a deep sea fishing trip. (laughs) So I know that's where I'm going to end. But here's the reality, here's the reality. Some of us walk in here today, some of us walk in here today and we feel like that in life, right? You know what the irony about this picture is? If you look beyond me and my kids and you look out into the ocean, it's pristine, it's beautiful, beautiful. You could just see nothing but water. One of Jess's cousins said to me, this is the calmest day we've ever been on the water. And I'm like, thanks for rubbing that into me, right? It's just beautiful out there. And yet we, on the inside, we experiencing it was very, very different. For some of us, we walk in here and we see the flowers, see the lights, got all our dresses on, got our nice attire on. And yet we feel like this on the inside they just like sick and tired with life. Maybe relationships. There's some tension with. There's conflict happening at work. Maybe there's marital things or kid things or just life things that are piling on top of you. And you're just wondering, when is it going to be over? When is it going to be done? Or maybe there's things inside of you you know are off and you just can't explain it. Like, I just feel off. I feel like I'm hitting everybody with this and that. I feel like I'm not the kindest right now. I feel like, oh, there's just junk and I'm not, I just feel sick and tired with what's happening. Everything else looks pristine. It just, it looks nice, but why do I feel like this all the time? I think Jesus had a very profound yet simple passage where he spoke into that. He says this in Luke 5, verse 31, 32. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I think today... Jesus is going to present to us who he is. I wonder if for some of us, this might be a new interaction with Jesus. Like what if we saw Jesus differently this Easter? What if we saw a different side of Jesus than maybe we've ever experienced before? Because I believe this, that Jesus this Easter wants to embrace you wherever you're at that Jesus desires to embrace you and run after you and be with you and empathize with you and encourage you and then save you in the midst of what may be going on. We've been in a series, we're calling it Follow Me. And in this conversation we started last week, we're looking at a very popular phrase from Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. says, follow me, right? And oftentimes we read that And maybe we have our own conception of what that looks like, or we have our own ideas of what that means. And we're looking at Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and saying, what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? Right? I don't know where you're at today with Jesus. I don't know if you've come in here and you're kind of walking in, and Jesus, the church experience, is a newer thing for you. Or maybe you've been here a lot and you know church and you know how to do it. Maybe this is old hat. I think Jesus wants to share with us something about following him, no matter where you're at on that spectrum. Because I think all of us have heard that conversation before. And Luke, he is one of the writers of one of the four gospels of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. What's interesting about Luke is this. We can most, most connect to Luke because Luke didn't have a firsthand experience with Jesus, Luke was around a lot of people who had a firsthand experience with Jesus. And through that, he came to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And he wrote a book about it, kind of like a documentary. And so when you read Luke's gospel, it's his way of articulating who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and why you should believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which is really cool. The other cool thing in light of this passage is Luke is a doctor. So I bet when he heard this story, he's like, no way, no way. And going will write that in there because Jesus tells us something very important that we see throughout that story. If you go up in the story to Luke 5, 27, this is the scene, this is the story. It's very brief, it's very small, very powerful. After this, Jesus went out, saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Levi, we also know as Matthew. That's another name in scripture that he is given. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And none of us are blown away by this, but a first century Jew would have been, what? you talking about a tax collector? What are you talking about? How did he end up in the Bible? Why is Jesus interacting with this guy? A first century Jew would have been mind blown, would have been shocked, would have just lost their mind hearing this because a tax collector was someone that many despised inside of that culture. Why? Because a tax collector often was a Jewish person who ended up kind of disowning, betraying their own family, their own culture to serve the Roman government and collect taxes from their own people. And so many times there'd be a Jewish man on this side working for the Roman government and Jewish men and women coming up and placing their money down. And it was unreal amounts of money that the Roman government taxed. And they would have looked at that person and said, you, betrayer, you, disowner, you're gaining by our loss. You left us. Many people would have walked up into that circumstance and would have said, I hate you, Levi. I hate you, Matthew. Why are you doing this? They would have betrayed relationships for selfish gain. And as you sit here, maybe for some of us, we feel that. Maybe for some of us, we feel the intensity of that situation because you most most identify with Matthew or Levi. Maybe you feel like an outcast. Maybe you feel like an outsider. Maybe you feel like you don't belong because you have betrayed relationships. Or maybe because you've chosen to go this route in spite of what your family desires. Maybe you've left people and you said, I'm gonna do my own thing. Maybe you have gained by other people's loss. Maybe you walk in here and you are shocked that you are allowed in a space like this because I'm not so sure the walls won't collapse, maybe is what you would say. I want your eyes up here. If you're in that seat, I want you to know you're welcome here because what you'll find is what you are experiencing, what maybe you believe about yourself, maybe how you are interacting with this story is not abnormal, abnormal. And there's actually a wider audience that Jesus is talking to when he talks about healing the sick, that all of us actually end up identifying with Levi. But then there's another group. There's another group that I I most relate with from the outside looking in, because what happens next is interesting, right? Levi gets connected to Jesus. And then all of a sudden in verse uh, 29 and 30, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. It's like party time, right? This guy I got connected to, this is awesome. I'm gonna invite everybody to come over and party. I got a large crowd of tax collectors. Others were eating with them, right? So not just now is it scandalous that Jesus is hanging out with Levi, Matthew, but Matthew's like, it's party time. I'm gonna get all my tax collector friends. We're all gonna go hang out and party together, right? And so now people are like, what is happening? This teacher, rabbi, religious guy, Jesus, he's gonna go over here and hang out with these people? Right? It reminds me when I was in high school. I don't know if there's high school students in here right? or you remember from high school right? when that big party would happen and all of a sudden you're like, who's going? And oh, they're going. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're going. They're going to be there. What's happening there? Right? Because there's a group doing that on the outside. Verse 30, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? There are those high schoolers on the outside, like, can you believe they're going to go party with those people? Can you believe they were invited to that party? Can you believe Jesus is hanging out with those people, right? They're on the outside looking in and they're wondering, why is he doing what he is doing all the way to the point where they're complaining? They're like, why is he doing that, yo? I'm not so sure this is cool. Because what you need to know about the Pharisees, what you need to know about the religious leaders of the day is this, they were trying to be the good guys, They were trying to follow all the rules and the regulations. They were trying to religiously live up to the law. Honestly, they were trying to be as good as they could be inside of following what they believe God has placed in front of them. And yet, as much as they tried internally engaging with God, they were externally engaged with others that they betrayed relationships for selfish glory. They cared more about themselves and how they looked and how their position in society felt and what they would do inside of that instead of actually living out who God is and what he's all about. But here's what's interesting as I was reading this. I think oftentimes I or we can demonize the Pharisees, but it's so easy to be one. The Pharisees are the people I most identify with. I'm a pastor's kid, right? I grew up in church. This thing is all kind of, it's 29th Easter, right? Been there, done that. And it's really easy for me to position myself in such a way that I forget to engage externally what God has done for me internally. It's really easy to forget what he's about and who he came for. And maybe you identify with that group most. Maybe you've been here, done that, and right now you're just disengaged externally. It's all just kind of here inside of you. It's all just kind of a part of the mundane Sunday to Sunday and what you do. And the reality is this, you're also welcome here and we're glad you're a part of what's going on. And Jesus, in a interesting twist, does something. Listen here. He speaks to both crews simultaneously, and it's beautiful. Verse 31 and 32 is where we were at. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I love this, because Jesus is addressing the complaints from the Pharisees, and he's speaking to the tax collectors around the table with him. Can you imagine the mic drop moment this must have felt like? because what he is saying is this we are all sick it's not just this crew in here yo you also out there speaking into it yes sick too and what's interesting is this biblically how would we would define sick right we think of sick we think of physically sick but biblically how do we define being sick the word that's most commonly used for that is sin And sin is this, it's living outside of the love and leadership of God in your life, simply. And it's choosing to live out of your own will and out of your own desires and out of you placing yourself in the seat of God and leading your life this way instead of running into him. And what's interesting is this, right? Is that both the tax collectors and the Pharisees betrayed relationships to the first love that they should have had. That ultimately, they're not just betraying horizontal relationships, but inside of how they were living, they were betraying their relationship, the first love who is God, relationship with him and pursuing after him. Right, the tax collectors, they were just kind of running, doing their own thing over here. They were just running away from God. We're gonna choose to go this way instead of running into him the Pharisees, right? They put rules and regulations in front of the relationship with God so that they would be seen instead of him. Either group is sick. And this morning, all of us deal with that sickness. All of us do. We all deal with sin. What we see in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve decided to believe the serpent instead of their creator God. And what's interesting about this passage is this. Could have just left with y'all are sick, good luck. But Jesus didn't. Jesus tells us something very interesting. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It tells me something about Jesus, that he has come for us and after us because he is the greater doctor who came to save us in the midst of our sickness. It's really important to note this Easter. I don't know where you're at with God, maybe. Jesus, this church thing. We're so glad you're here. I'll keep saying that over and over again. I'm not sure where you may be in your experiences or what the past has brought you. But how you view God will dictate how you view life oftentimes. Oftentimes. How you view God will dictate how you live life. If he doesn't exist, I'm going to live like he doesn't exist. If he's the angry old guy upstairs, I'm probably going to run away from him and live somewhere else, right? Or is he the loving creator God has wrapped me in his arms? Because this is what I see inside of this passage, is that Jesus is the great physician And he is not just a doctor who wrote prescriptions. He's a doctor that is living in it with us and he died for us and he rose again so that we could be cured of this sickness we call sin. He's not just a doctor that is writing up the top 10 things to do with your life and try harder. He's a doctor that decided to get into the mess with his patients all the way to the point of dying because first we see this Jesus, he's in it with us. I was just at the doctor a couple days ago. Everything checked out. We're all good. But here's the reality. Doctors exist for sick people. Right? If you're healthy, more times than not, you're going, not going to the doctor unless you have like a one-year checkup, right? If you're going to the doctor, you're asking a doctor, you're teledoctoring, all that stuff, right? You're probably sick. And the reality is, whether it's a doctor or maybe for you it's a parent or maybe for you it's a grandparent, we all yearn for someone to sit in the sickness with us. The most comforting experience while I was sick is my mom helping me, being present with me, bringing me up food, chicken noodle soup, and taking care of me. It was the most, I yearned for that when I was sick because I didn't know how to do it on my own. And here's what you need to know about the God of the universe in the person of Jesus. He is in it with you in the midst of your sickness. He did not run away from you. Listen, we sometimes can box God up And what we do is when we box God up, he sits in this box and as long as I am cleaned up, as long as I have my Easter best on, as long as I feel good, as long as I've kind of done my thing over here and the top 10 things to do, then I can open up the box, enter in and we can do this relationship thing. And this is what I know about the all loving, all powerful creator God is that he loves you. And the fact that your heart is sick, absolutely just yurks his gut. It just twists it. And he can't do anything but pursue you in that. He wants to be with you in the sickness. He is not some God up there like, oh my gosh, man, just get that mess away. He's like, I'm going to jump into it. And we see that most visible in the person of Jesus. Dan Ortland would say it like this. We naturally think of Jesus touching us the way a little boy reaches out to touch a slug for the first time face screwed up, cautiously extending an arm, giving a yelp of disgust upon contact and instantly withdrawing. The high and holy Jesus does not cringe at reaching out and touching dirty sinners and numb sufferers. Such embrace is precisely what he loves to do. He cannot bear to hold back. There is a joy in God coming into your life to be with you in the mess and the muck. He is not waiting for you to get yourself all ready and fancied up. He is pursuing you in the midst of your sickness and he wants to offer you a relationship that will absolutely change that for you. And for some of us, that that is where it needs to start. We've come in here and we're like, God's distant. He's some divine wonder guy upstairs. He's some old guy. He's the dictator of my life. He's the drill sergeant, right? we have this relationship where he's distant and he's uninvolved. And that is far from the God that we believe in. And if that's the step this week, I love it. If that's the step, that's the step I'm taking every day, honestly. It's interact with a personal God who desires you. But not just there. He doesn't just sit with you in it. He took it on for you in the person of Jesus believe Jesus is God in a bod. So Jesus is 100% God, 100% man, and he came into this world in a profound way. He didn't distance himself from the mess and the stink and, and, and the sin and all of the sickness. He jumped into it and he was perfect through it. And all of the tragedy he, he experienced, all the suffering, all the pain, all of the stuff, he experienced it like you and I experienced it, and yet he was perfect through it. And he experienced it specifically so not only that he would relate to us, but that he would eventually take it upon himself and take what we deserve so that what we got wasn't what we deserved. You know what sickness ends up being? It ends up leading to death. Physically, yes, but spiritually the same. Death is separation from God eternally. And Jesus said, I want that. So I'm gonna take it upon myself. On the cross, he identified with us as sinners so that we could take the health of who he is. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us this. This is what Paul writes, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, on the cross, he took upon our sin. He identified as a sinner and then he went to the grave and he battled it spiritually. And then he rose again three days later so that you and I could have life saying I have gotten rid of sin, I've gotten rid of death and in me you have life and health and righteousness. You're new. And it's only through me. That's why today is so important. It's not just another day on the calendar. It's not just another day. We get dressed up, which I feel very dressed down compared to some of you. Well done, right? Right? But ultimately, Resurrection Sunday tells me Jesus is the cure in and of himself. Listen, we all yearn for a cure because we're laying on the boat and it looks really pristine out there, but we're all yearning for a cure. And Jesus tells us that he is that by rising from the dead. You and I cannot do anything about our sickness. You and I can't say enough, do enough, be enough, experience enough, be good enough, run far enough. It's running into him and believing he is the cure for our life, saying yes to him. It's like Parker and others have. So I don't know where you're at today. Some of you might be sitting over here and you're like, I'm a tax collector, right? And it's like, I don't know, being in here, I'm not so sure. You're welcome here. And maybe today is the day that you step into recognizing Jesus is the only cure for the mess that is life. For others of us, we sit over here, we're Pharisees, Like me, right? I must identify with that. And what we are challenged with is recognizing we actually have a sickness. I can't do this on my own. You know, what, you know what's profound about Matthew's response to Jesus saying, follow him? This is what we see in verse 28. Levi got up left everything and followed him. Dude saw something different in Jesus. What wasn't just another religious teacher, he was the guy. And inside of that, he recognized there was something in his heart that was off. And he's like, this guy has something different. I'm gonna follow him. Does it say Matthew went home, got everything in order, did all the religious uh, duties and then went and followed? No, because Jesus met him where he was at, wants to take him where he needs to go. And so we're gonna do something a little different. Some of us, we maybe aren't used to this. I'm not gonna make it uncomfortable. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you to interact with Jesus for a minute. Because for some of us, we sit on one of those two spectrums for all of us. I just wanna spend a moment inviting Jesus into your personal space and into this space. And so what I'm going to just invite you to do is to bow your heads, close your eyes, and just spend a minute Inviting Jesus into this space. Listen, if this is new for you and you're like, I just want to experience this, that's fine. You just want to just be there in silence, that's fine. But if you want to interact, just ask Jesus to come into your space right now, to come in and reveal your heart, to come in and identify the sickness to come in and be the great physician, to come in and do something that you cannot do on your own. Just give you like 30 seconds just to be with Jesus and then I'll close this. ask him to reveal himself to you. Has he been distant? Has he been the dictator of your life? Has he been the one that's looking down and angry? Or is he personal, knowing, loving God of the universe? It's pursuing you right now, where you're at. For others of us, maybe he has become distant. He was the cure man, life got away from us. And you need to revisit the doctor, per se. So you go spend some time with the great physician, the one who gave you the cure and wants to walk you through navigating the symptoms, navigating what trauma was left inside of that. If your eyes closed, head bound, don't let this just be another Easter. where you belong. You belong here according to Jesus. because He wants to do something in your life. you I welcome you to consider just jumping back in. For others, maybe it's saying yes to Jesus, for others. maybe it's jumping into what does it look like to spend time with him? It's not some distant God. He loves you. To sing a couple songs just celebrating the fact of what he's done for us. So, Father, we come to you. We thank you. Praise you. You are the great doctor, physician. You're the one who pursued us endlessly and continues to pursue us through the person of Jesus. And we thank you for who you are in that. You're not some distant God. You're not some uh, distant uh, divinity. You are right here with us. And in the person of Jesus, we see that fully. So Father, I pray for your grace and mercy and love to just cover this room in a profound and neat way. That you would work in and through your spirit, and that Father, you would leave us changed this Easter. We praise you and we love you. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. If you'd like to reach out and connect with us or hear more about Grace Church, you can head to barberton.gracechurches.org for more information. We meet in person at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 629 Wesleyan Avenue in Barberton. Have a great day.